Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. How's it going today on this fine Sunday? Very, very hot Sunday, which is why if you hear the buzzing going around in the background... It's, it's a fan. It's two fans, actually, because we we're... Yeah, we're that hot. Well, as some of you know, our our little setup here is in our bedroom, and there's not really a whole lot of air circulation that comes through this apartment building, so mm-hmm. we have to set up two fans in our bedroom just to stay cool. Yeah. Or at least try to. It's incredibly hot over here. Yes. So, yes, so... So, if you're looking at the title of the episode, then you'll know that we'll be going over the new movie Black Phone that just came out, I believe, last month, right? No, Uh, actually, June. Yeah, it came out almost two months ago. Yeah, so... So, it's been a month and a half. We saw Black Phone a couple weeks ago, and it was a really good movie. I liked it a lot. It was so good. Yeah, so I'm happy we could talk about it. Yeah, we'll be talking about it more in depth, so I just want to put it out now. I know we put in a plug in the beginning for... There are certain themes in this movie that may not be suitable. Like, there are scenes that involved uh, deaths of children and even child abuse, which may not be, you know, suitable for some viewers, and... In this episode particularly, we're going to be going over major plot points in the movie. So if you have not seen Black Phone yet and would like to go see Black Phone and not have us spoil anything for you, I would pause now before you go any further. Because we don't want to, like, be those douchebags who ruin movies for people. You're that douchebag, not me. How am I that douchebag? What did I do? Because you're the one who's going to be saying all this. Yeah, but I'm putting it out there now so in case people... That's the whole point of a spoiler warning, honey, is that you give them a heads up. Well, at least you're being considerate. Right. Yes. So, is there anything you want to address before we go into it? There's a couple things I wanted to say. Depending on what? Well, I just showed Colin this before we got on to the um, podcast, but we have new listeners. Like, we, we know, every day I try to check our progress on the podcast, and see if we get any new listeners and it seems like since the last time we announced the last three countries where we've gotten new listeners we've now gotten two new countries with more listeners which i'm very happy for and i'm very glad and appreciative of people who take the time to check out our podcast so this week the two new countries of listeners that we've you know invited you know i don't know how to even word word it but we have new listeners in Brazil and India. So I'm very happy that we have more listeners. I'm very happy that people are enjoying our podcast and our content. And yeah, just wanted to say welcome to more listeners. Is there anything you want to put out there? Hi, everyone. <laughs> I am so glad that you are enjoying our podcast. You know what? I am actually really happy with certain things that we have new listeners and we also are teaming up with someone, which is great too because we do have a little ad in the beginning of this show before we actually start mm-hmm. so and i am really honored and happy that fright rags is going to be sponsoring us yeah which i'm super happy about because i've actually liked fright rags since i first moved here to rochester years ago yeah. and they've been a company since 2003 run by ben scrivens who has done things a lot for this community including having fun saturday night rewinds at the little theater having celebrities come here and do like question like you know q and a's and like meet people it's like meet and greets meets and greets and literally like they like i've not met ben before but 
I think seeing him and seeing how he is, he seems like a really nice guy, and I really would like to meet him. And I'm just honored that he really took an interest into our show. Yeah, we want to thank him and Fright Rags and people behind Fright Rags to take the time to give us a chance for our to help our podcast grow. Exactly. Because, like you said, in the in the past couple of years, almost three years now, you know we've we've gotten this far without getting a whole lot of like. I don't know how to word it again, but you know we've had the we've had the anchor ad on now for a couple of years, and while it's been fine, we never had really a professional local like, yeah, company to sponsor us. Yeah, it, this feels a little bit more like solid and legit than. And this is more homegrown for us. Yeah, you know, so, and I think that's why I'm glad that we are honored to be working with them. Yes, so. Take advantage of the promo code while we have it. I mean, as we mentioned before, it's Abby Normal Ten. So thank you to Fright Rags. Thank you for all the new listeners who have joined the podcast. So with that, we're going to get started with today's episode or this week's episode. So the Black Phone was released on June twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. So about a couple years ago, and was directed by St- Scott Derrickson, and it stars Mason Thames who plays Finney, Madeline McGuire or Mc- sorry. Madeline McGraw as Gwen, Jeremy Davies, who plays Terrence, the father to Gwen and Finney, James Ransone as Max, who is going to be the brother of one of the main characters, and Ethan Hawke as the Grabber. And that's all he's credited as. He doesn't have a name, he's simply titled the Grabber. Um, And it's actually based on the book, The Black Foam, by Joe Hill, who is the son of Stephen King. And the funny thing about the f- novel that I didn't know about is that it's not actually the f- like the film is not based on a full novel. It's based off of one of the short stories from the novel Black Phone. So the Black Phone is sen- essentially a short story collection series written by Joe Hill. And I actually did pick up the copy the other day, so I'm really excited to actually read it. And What's even more interesting about the movie itself is that it's clear to us as like viewers that the people behind the making of this movie added in a lot of references between Joe Hill's novels and Stephen King's own novels and adaptation, like film adaptations. Um, what did you think of the movie overall, Colin? Well, I thought it was great. Yeah. Had a great story, premise. Uh, the acting was perfect. Um, it's definitely flawless, especially with everyone collaborating, chemistry together. Yeah, and I will say this, though. We, we went to go see this in theaters, and usually when people go to the theaters, they'll check out the trailers that preview before the movie, which we will talk about more at the end, but they played some pretty interesting trailers. There was one that I wasn't too particularly keen on, but I think we'll get to that towards the end of the episode. Um, but there was some interesting things I wanted to talk about in regards to the movie and i know if you've seen like the promo picture like the movie poster the trailer if you've actually seen the movie and you see the mask that the grabber wears and i'm just reading these off of imdb the trivia list but the grabber dons several creepy masks throughout the film each exposing different portions of his face they were designed by legendary prosthetic makeup artist tom savini Mason Thames said that the first time he saw the mask coupled with Ethan Hawke's bone-chilling performance, he was terrified. 
Now, as I said, Mason Thames plays Finney, the young boy who gets abducted by the Grabber. And he had a pretty good role. I think his character arc development throughout the whole movie was pretty well written. Mm-hmm. Because we see Finney, and he's, you know, he's a he's a kid, he's a little league player, and in the beginning we see him play a game of baseball with his team against another team. And during the end of the game, when they're all high-fiving each other, saying good game to one another, he comes across this kid named Bruce, and, you know, he, you know, praises him for having a good arm, saying your arm is mint, you know, you've got a good arm. And you almost got me there with the fastball, which I think was cool, you know. And over time, even after the abduction, he you can kind of see that he, like, you know, grows as a person. And, you know, his survival instincts definitely, like, kick in over time, especially with the help of the other children that were abducted by the grabber. I think that's a pretty interesting thing to look at. What did you think about the mask itself? Oh, the mask is horrifying. Oh, yeah. You know, as everyone else thinks so. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think in every mask he had was just like a different mood mm-hmm. that he had throughout the movie. And I thought that actually went well with his personality, especially each time. And the part, the mask that scared me is when the kid tried to first go up the stairs, but the the kid who was dead warned him not to because he was waiting for him with his belt and he had this like frown mean looking frown look on his face yes so that was terrifying so the masks have i believe they have maybe two or three different bottom halves and then two or three different top halves Mm -hmm. but as you see throughout the movie the grabber changes the different types of masks each time like he'll sometimes he'll wear just the bottom or sometimes he'll wear just the top half and then sometimes he'll change up the combination of the different halves of the mask Mm-hmm. So sometimes he'll get this big toothy grin, and then sometimes he'll get this really like deep wrinkled frown face. That one horrifies me more yeah. than the smile. And it's always whenever like they show him waiting in the kitchen to see if the boy's gonna go upstairs. And yeah, I just think it's really interesting. But I think one of my favorite things about this movie was Madeline McGraw's performance the girl who played Gwen mm-hmm. she was amazing I like, I like she, her because she's like a firecracker she also. is the total spitfire character in this movie that mm-hmm. I think every character should there should at least be one character like this in almost every movie exactly and she plays the younger sister to Finney and this, her her shtick in this movie is that you know she's not only the younger sister she's one of Finney's closest friends in this movie you know, they, they well, talk... they're best friends, yeah. Well, yeah, they're close siblings. They talk to each other about their issues, their feelings. He, she confines in him about her dreams. Uh-huh. He confines in her about his problems at school, the bullying. You know, all these feelings that he has. And, you know, it's a great friendship and a great relationship between a brother and sister. And seeing it more... Uh, seeing it progress more throughout the movie... Like, especially when there's a scene, there's a particular scene where uh, Finn's bullies chase him down the street and they tackle him in one of the yards. And her the sister, Gwen, comes around the corner with a rock and she bashes this kid's head with mm-hmm. a fucking rock and tries to take on the other two boys. And I thought it was so amazing because not only did she whack him that hard, she, she drew a lot of blood. Yeah. And to the point where the kid was just in total shock. 
and it was just amazing and then like you, you know her her dream powers which i will go into a little bit so essentially her powers are i wouldn't say powers but she gets these like premonitions through her dreams like she has already predicted in the beginning of this movie after bruce is abducted because bruce we see in the movie he's the first one to be seen abducted by the scrapper person but he's not the first victim of the grabber there have been other victims before bruce and before uh what was the other kid's name robin i think it was robin was yeah. finn's friend and then finn was the third one that we see in the movie mm-hmm. but there were two i think there were two or three more other kids before them that got kidnapped prior to the events of the movie mm-hmm and she's already had dreams about these kids saying that they're not going to find them in the way that their families were hoping that to be found. You know, so she's already implying that they're already gone and we're not going to be able to find them alive. Which is scaring a lot of people because A, this means that the grabber is picking up more and more kids and they don't know how much time they have between the time he picks them up to the time he kills them and how long he's holding them alive. But we do kind of give an idea as, like I said, as Finn gets through this ordeal of being kidnapped and held captive by the Grabber, of how much time he actually has before the Grabber decides to make any move towards him. And it's a very odd, odd thing. Now, I will I will say this, though. As, as I mentioned before, there are themes of child deaths and murders, but no molestation no child abuse like sexual abuse in any way at least that none of that's ever been implied but it is clear that the grabber will kidnap these kids he'll hold them in his basement for a period of time and then it's revealed at some point that the grabber likes to play a game with them called naughty boy now i'm not quite sure what naughty boy is but depending on how his victims whether they choose to play the game or not determines how long these kids are going to stay alive before he actually decides to kill them. And depending on how they behave during their captivity, again, also determines how long they stay alive for. Because some choose to try to escape, and then they get beaten severely to death by the grabber. Some of them choose to stay and see if they can fight back the grabber in the basement, but then that never accomplishes anything either, unfortunately. Is there anything you want to talk about, what I, what I just said? No, I think you got it all, mostly. How did you feel about the sister, though? What did you think about her performance? I like her. I mean, you explained everything that I was going to say about the sister. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and I mean, you're right, you know, she's really, pr- uh, like, super protective of her brother. She's, yes. like, super, she's brave in her own way. Mm-hmm. She has these powers that she feels like she doesn't know what to do, but she does learn to try to learn how to use them. Talk about where she believes her gifts come from. From her mother? Well, no. Or Jesus. Jesus. Oh, fuck. Yes. Christ. And it was so funny. She's actually really funny about this relationship she has with Jesus. Yes. Especially, like, when she has these powers and she thinks that Jesus really gave it to her so she can use them and then mm-hmm. she's like one day it doesn't work and she's trying to use them and then she gets mad and takes it out on Jesus I know she's that was actually my favorite like scene said, in the movie like I said she is such a spitfire there have been a couple of instances where she truly stands up for herself to adults she cusses like, up the storm oh yeah there's a there's a scene in the, towards the beginning of the movie where 
She's at school and she gets called to the principal's office. And remember how I said she already confided in Finney the fate of Bruce. Mm-hmm. The kid from his softball game. Yeah. Or Little League game. Uh, she already knows what's going to happen to him and what happened to him. And she, I guess she had also confided that in with Bruce's sister or sibling. Or someone close to Bruce's family. And the police wanted to know how she knew some of the evidence because apparently she knew about the black balloons, mm-hmm. which, for those of you who may or may not know, like, when the grabber kidnaps kids, he leaves behind a cluster of black balloons from the abduction site. I feel like he kind of, like, Joe Hill kind of took the idea of balloons from, her, from his dad. You know what's so funny? It's like, you, it's like I said earlier. There are similarities between... This movie and connections with Stephen King's books, which I think you made a, you brought up a really good point, because when we talk when we think of Stephen King, oftentimes we think of the red balloon from it. In Black Phone, we think of black balloons from the abduction sites. Yeah. Now, this is a piece of information that the police know about but have not released to the public. So the fact that Gwen knows about something that other people shouldn't be able to know. Raises a bit of an eyebrow for the police. So they approach her at school, mm-hmm. ask her how she knows. And great, or, or Gwenny, being a little like apprehensive about revealing to people about her dream powers or gift or whatever, starts to kind of get a little bit like of an attitude with them. She's like, you really think that I fucking abducted those boys? Like, I'm, I'm like six years old and you really fucking think that I've abducted like she starts to get really cursy or cussing with it with this moment and the and the principal gets so mad with her she said her whole name i know she it's so funny it's so funny to watch and then there was the moment like you said where she she prays to jesus the night before she wants to get dreams about finn's whereabouts so she prays to jesus she goes to bed she doesn't have a dream she wakes up and she goes to her little her, her little shrine for Jesus is actually in her dollhouse. So she'll open up the dollhouse, she'll get her her prayer beads, her little Bible, the picture of Jesus, and she'll sp- like split spread it all out on the floor. And she'll be like, "What the fuck, Jesus? Like seriously, what the fuck?" And it's so funny to hear like a child cuss that angrily mm-hmm. at something as like re- religiously sacred as like the figure of Jesus Christ. It's just so hilarious to me to see that happen but again it's it's a it's a very comical moment that i think that madeline mcgraw displays perfectly in this movie but yeah i think that's like a really good aspect to kind of look forward to when you go see this movie is there anything else you want to talk about before i move on to the next point uh no okay also i wanted to point out too uh it was produced by blumhouse so the movie was delayed from its initial January 2022 release to its June 2022 release due to unexpectedly great preview showings. Once Blumhouse realized just how great early reactions were, they gave it a summer release date. Which I think is, you know, makes sense, I guess. What do you think about that? Blumhouse has made, you know, some pretty good movies in the past I yeah. think ten years. Well, that's the thing. Blumhouse is definitely coming a long way from their from their beginnings, mm-hmm. and they're doing great. You know, they're coming out with stuff one movie after another. They're doing specials. They're doing TV shows. Like they're doing everything, and 
they're getting the recognition that they can, that they need, that they deserve. Yeah. So. And going back to Malin McGraw, I just a little tidbit I wanted to point out that I found. So Malin McGraw was originally unable to appear in the film as the original shooting schedule clashed with her show, Secrets of Sulphur Springs, which was released last year. Scott Derrickson, the director, was so impressed with her, however, he pushed back the production date to accommodate for her casting, which is a great choice. Like I said, she was a really good actress for this role, and I think she did an amazing job bringing a character like her to life. Yeah. You know. What do you think? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I agree. You know, she's a great actress, and, you know, I really like to, looking forward to seeing her in future movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you know that Scott Derrickson, Colin, uh, made this his next project after leaving Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? No. Yeah, he left the project over creative differences, but he remained on as executive producer for that film. Oh, that's cool. Because you've seen Doctor Strange yeah, in the Multiverse I, of Madness. I love that film. Yeah. It's really good. I haven't really watched it, honestly. Well, I, I know you don't. As you all know, I'm not really a big Marvel fan, so Even I... Even though you've watched, like, half of them so far with me. I've watched some of the Marvel shows with you on Disney+. Plus, and I know you like them. Some of them... I like Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel was a very good one. And yeah. then what was the other one that you and I watched together? Loki, we've watched... Loki was fine. Um... Uh, WandaVision, we watched... I never watched all of WandaVision. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I didn't watch all of that either. Um, but we're not here to talk about Marvel. We're here to talk about Well, you're Black the one Hulk. who said it, so... I only brought it up because I figured you would enjoy that little aspect. Well, anyway. Well, when that happens, you know I'm going to talk about it, so... So... Ha. Huh. Here's an interesting thing. Another interesting fun fact. So, in the basement of the grabber's home is where he keeps most of these kids. Well, I shouldn't say most. I should say all of them. Because they all end up in this basement, held captive for a multitude of time before they are killed. But there is, it's a very bleak room. There's a little hallway offset from the right side of the door that goes into like a bathroom area and it's all tiled floor. It's like concrete slab and there's a very high window with bars running across it. It's kind of like, I'd say screwed onto it, Mm -hmm. would you say? So that's just kind of give you an idea of what the basement layout is like. But there is, on one of the walls, there's a line running through the wall of the basement from where the phone is. And it's actually a reference to the poster of the movie Sinister, which is another Blumhouse-produced movie that stars Ethan Hawke. Another interesting fun fact about Ethan Hawke, his character's name in Sinister was named Ellison. The grab-and-go in the movie of Black Phone, there's a flashback of one of the children that the grabber abducts. Remember Vance, the metalhead-looking kid who looked like Eddie Munson from Stranger Things? Um, We see a flashback of him the day he gets abducted. He's at a grab-and-go playing pinball. And the grabbing goal is called Ellison, and it's a reference to Ethan Hawke's character in the movie Sinister. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> now, we've, as we keep mentioning throughout this episode, there's a huge connection between Joe Hill and Stephen King. They're father and son, they're both writers, 
And I think Joe Hill was actually the kid that was in Creep Show, the first movie, right? Yeah, actually, he was. Right. Because uh, we watched uh, In Search of Darkness. Yes. And Stephen King te- kept saying to the guy who played the father in the film to him, mm-hmm. it, You're not going to smack my son, are you? You're not going to smack him really hard, are you? He's like, well, I kind of have. Uh, he's like, I'm not gonna hit him that hard, Tom. No, but he's, but like, he's gonna or, have to. And then he yeah. and he smacked the shit out of him in the movie. Well, he gave him like a smack. That's part of like the script, you know. Like, I know, but I thought that Stephen was... King didn't want Tom at what is it? Atkins. Tom, Tom Atkins. To he do didn't it. want Tom Atkins to hit his son too hard. Yeah, but he. But hit he him. had to give him a slap as part of the movie, you know. But I thought that was the comical part about Stephen King. So, the grabber in the movie yeah. wears a stovepipe hat and abducts a child walking home from a baseball game, which is Bruce. hmm Very much like Rose the Hat in Dr. Sleep, who is, which was another book written by Stephen King. I like that they put those little, like, references in there because it just seems like, you know... And I know, like, Joe Hill, he goes by Joe Hill because he doesn't want to probably fall in line with his father's name but how do you feel about that connection though between the black phone and dr sleep because do you remember that scene in particular from dr sleep can you explain to me okay so in dr sleep rose the hat and her group of Mm. soul-sucking fiends i guess we're going to call them that they um they abduct a kid walking home from a baseball game who was actually the same kid who was in the room you remember that movie with Brie Larson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he plays the kid. They abduct him, and they take him back to their camp. They kill him, and as he's dying, they suck up the shining gift within him to kind of rejuvenate their life forces or something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. They're basically vampires in that type of sense. It's a very emotional and terrifying scene because we don't really see a lot of kids get murdered in horror movies. I mean, they're implied most of the time, but they're never really shown on camera. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. what do you think about that connection, though? I mean, it's cool. It's nice that they kind of have a similarity to each other. Yeah. I mean, they're different from each other, but they still have that similarity. They both, like, either kill or adopt children. Mm -hmm. Well, they they take children in that sense. Yeah. And um, basically suck the life out of them. Yeah, there's even another similarity between this movie and a Stephen King reference, and it's the movie It. A very eerie villain goes after children, very often trying to get them to approach with promises of magic tricks or something fun. The villain has a costume or familiar look of some kind, and while It shows a red balloon at times to denote danger, there are two black balloons in this film shown floating after the protagonist is taken, like you mentioned before. That difference between the red and black colors. Which is interesting because I've been I've recently gotten into that color combination quite a bit. I've been applying it more to my wardrobe lately. So I find that interesting. What do you think? I find it intriguing. Yeah? Yeah. For the most part. Nice. Yes, and also I wanted to give a fact also is that Max, the brother who plays the grabber's brother, is actually the same guy who plays Eddie, yes. the adult Eddie, in uh, It Part 2. Yes. So, as I mentioned earlier, his name is James Ransom, right? Ransom, yeah. Ransom. So, James Ransom plays Max. 
And when we first see Max, it's when police are going door to door in this neighborhood because they got a tip from Gwen. She believed that her brother was being held on a single family home with red brick on the outside with like a chain link fence around the property. So they approach a house that we know to believe now that it's the grabber's home. Mm-hmm. But when police knock on the door, the man who opens it is clearly not Ethan Hawke. It's a very mustachio-looking man named Max. And he claims to be there, you know, in between jobs, house-sitting for his brother. He's got a dog named Samson. And, coincidentally, he's also investigating the disappearances of the boys in the local area. Which, why would somebody who is not and a law enforcement agent... he was being very suspicious agent, about it, too. He is. And... If you know anything about true crime, one of the things that serial killers tend to do is insert themselves in investigations surrounding the cases that they are involved in because they want to know how much the police knows about the evidence pertaining to the cases in case they need to cover their trails or clean up their act a little bit or, you know, stop doing stupid shit like leaving evidence behind. I'm not saying that's stupid. It helps the police solve the cases, Mm -hmm. but... That's how sometimes these people get caught. Just saying. Anyway, so throughout the movie, we're trying to figure out how is this guy connected to Ethan Hawke in a way because it's it's very intriguing. And at one point when I was watching this movie, I almost thought that he was living in a duplex house. Because I was like, there's no way that this guy could be staying in his brother's house and not know that his brother is keeping a kid in the basement specifically because he even says like he tells me not to come down to the basement I never knew why and now that you know he does find out at the end spoiler alert he finds out and just before he's about to do anything to help the Finn his brother kills him with an axe Ethan Hawke to say so anyway that's, that's an interesting little tidbit of information I thought was interesting what do you think I agree yeah <laughs> I thought it was an interesting theory because I'm like, that could be the only explanation I can think of that would explain how it would only not only explain how he can keep that part of himself separate from his brother, but it would also explain why in Gwen's vision, she sees two different houses. Mm -hmm. They're both red brick. One of them's got a chain link fence around the property and the other one doesn't. But we see Finn in these visions in a house that doesn't look similar to what Gwen is seeing in most of her other visions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it can also explain that why she is looking for this house, but she can't find it right away. And when she's tipping off the police, I think I know which house he's in, but the police can't narrow it down because there's so many houses in this area that are red brick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of helps delay the case a little bit. But it kind of helps pick up clues along the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think? I agree with that, for sure. Alright, and then... Going back to true crime... There's a couple of things about this movie that are true crime related. One thing is that... One of the victims of this mo- of this case in the movie was a paper boy. Right? And his abduction story is similar to an actual true crime case which is the appearance of Johnny Gosh. He was a paper boy from Iowa who was on a route when his dog Gretchen, or with his dog Gretchen, and had disappeared during the route. His dog was found, but Johnny's disappearance remains unsolved to this day. What do you think? It's a mystery. 
Yeah, there's actually been a couple of documentaries about this yeah. case that are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it still kind of remains unsolved. Not too sure how I feel about it, but there there have been other like I don't know podcasts, documentaries, pieces that have done like covered this case. So I'm not quite too sure how to feel about it. But another interesting true crime piece. So the grabber is based on real-life serial killers Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, and Jeffrey Dahmer. Bundy would use a ruse to lure victims to help him to his car. Especially little boys. No. Ted Bundy never abducted little boys. Oh, no, that was John Wayne Gacy. But here's the thing. John Wayne Gacy would use a belt on his victims. Uh, he also liked mm, to do something mm. called like the magic trick, which is what he used to subdue his victims and tie them up before he strangled them to death. That's weird. Yeah. It was a similar tactic that Ethan Hawke used in the movie to lure Finn and other boys closer to his van. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, do you want to see a magic trick? And he takes out this pepper can, like, not pepper can, but like spray paint can, and he starts to shake it up and he pulls out these balloons. And he throws the balloons in the kid's face and it causes them to struggle and be a little disoriented. And it gives Ethan Hawke time to Put them in a chokehold, force the spray paint can into their mouths, and spray their mouths with like this sort of like I don't want to say chloroform, but some sort of like chemical that knocks them out. Yeah, it's a chemical that kind of gets into them and they uh, kind of get unconscious. Yeah, and it makes them weak. It's similar to what it's almost similar, I guess I should say, to what John Wayne Gacy did to his victims, but. Jeffrey Dahmer had one victim escape from his apartment only to be recaptured. And there is a similar scene where Finn is able to escape, but the grabber does catch up with him and grabs him and drags him back to his house. Which is a very sad moment because you want so badly for Finn to be able to walk out of there. And again, spoiler, he does make it out alive. But I think the interesting thing about that too is that, and, and this is kind of going into like the title of the movie itself, The Black Phone. When Finn's in this basement, there is a black phone on the wall that supposedly does not work. Mm-hmm. However, it rings a lot. And when Finn does answer the phone, he oftentimes will hear the voices of other children who have been abducted by the grabber. And it seems like each time he talks to one of these kids, they always have some piece of advice to give them to help survive and cope with being captured. Like Bruce tells him about the loose tiles and the hallway floor. He loosens those up, digs a big hole in the ground, trying to dig his way out, but he can't get that far. So he takes one of the rolled up carpets or rugs that's in the bathroom area and covers it to hide it from the grabber. Mm -hmm. Another kid says, if you can try to take the bars down, you can use that too as like a weapon. So he does manages to get it down and he hides it, but he doesn't use it until later. And another kid shows him how to use the phone itself as a weapon. You pack the receiver with dirt, with dirt, and then you he shows him how to do the front and back steps and swings to hit the grabber if he, the grabber was coming towards him. And then another kid showed him how to dig through the wall in the bathroom to get to the meat freezer on the other side. And he uses the meat in the freezer to subdue the dog to get out of the basement. Remember? Mm-hmm. I think all of these things are really fucking interesting. And the fact that this, again, not only helps Finn find a way to deal and cope 
with being abducted it helps him find a way out and it helps him grow as a person to be able to defend himself well like you said earlier that for Finn this is a character development throughout mm -hmm. the whole film and right. he was like this once pure innocent kid who never fought he was a very passive kid. kid and got his ass kicked but then he learned later in the movie how to stand up to himself against you know people who are bigger than him Mm -hmm. And literally, pra practically killed the guy. Yeah. And so, I really give a lot of respects for that character. Yeah. So every, like I said, every method of escape that the kids on the phone tell Finny to use to fight off the grabber at the end. The hole. The cable. The freezer with meat. Packing the phone with dirt. And even the padlock combination. Because, I guess, like I said with the paper boy, he had a padlock on his bike. The grabber took it and used it to lock the gated door to be able to keep kids in from trying to escape yeah. so he told Finn in his own way the combination to the lock and when Finn was able to sneak past the grabber in the kitchen he was able to figure out the combination and run outside but unfortunately like I mentioned the grabber catches up with him snatches him and brings him back I was really hoping that he would get out of there but, me too yeah. but I knew me that too. he was going to get caught I know it, yeah. it was again it was a very like defeated moment but it could have been worse from there on out like like we said we we know for a fact that this this man the grabber has a flaring temper and he doesn't like it when kids try to run away and it seems like in the past when kids have tried to run away he has beaded them profusely, but he doesn't with Finn. Not usually. I'm going to say, does he find something special about him? I feel like... It's like I said. So we find out from one of the other abducted kids to Finny that the grabber likes to play this game called Naughty Boy. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that game actually is or if it's even a game at all, but it seems like the premise of this game is for the grabber to test how these kids are going to behave during their captivity. If they go along with this weird game that the grabber has set up for these kids, the more complicit that they are, they believe, the better chance of survival that they have to, you know, while they're in, in captivity. However, the more rowdy they are, the less compliant that they are, in, during captivity, the less likely they are to survive being in captivity from the grabber. Um, it's a very chilling aspect, considering the fact that A, Finn doesn't seem to have any desire to go along with what the grabber has to say. Clearly he's trying to find a way out, but he doesn't make it known to the grabber when the grabber is present in the basement. He seems to be doing conducting a lot of his escape plans, you know, when the grabber leaves the room. What do you think? Yeah, no, um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything that you said right there, so yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you want to touch up on, though, about the black phone? Um, not that I think of, but, I mean, you don't think they'll probably release a sequel no, or whatever, right? No, no, no. Not with the way that movie ended, which I'm gonna go ahead and kind of, like, summarize the ending for you guys. Um, so the way it ends... You know, Finney, like I said, he f he's found a way through the conversations that he has with these boys and how to subdue the grabber. And as I mentioned earlier, 
the brother actually discovers towards the end that Finney is in the basement. And he realizes at that moment that his brother is the grabber. His brother is the one that has been abducting these kids. And before he can go get help, his brother, the grabber, Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. comes down, hits him over the head with the axe, and kills him. And then blames Finney for making him do that because, you know, obviously his brother would have told on him to the police. Simultaneously while this happens, Gwen finally gets the final visions that she needs to figure out where Finney is and the other boys are. So it turns out that the grabber has two houses that are across the street from each other that almost look similar. They're both ranch style houses, they're red bricked. One of them has a gate fence, one of them doesn't. So what he's doing is He's holding them captive in the basement of one house, and after he kills them, he buries their bodies in the crawl space underneath the other house. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Because it should, because that's exactly what John Wayne Gacy did with Mm -hmm. his victims after he killed them. He hid their bodies underneath the floorboards of his house and in other parts of the property. So that's what was going to be his plan. He was already planning to bury a hole in the basement to kill Finney and put him in there. Thankfully, Finney subdues the grabber in the best way possible. So like I mentioned, the hole he was digging in the hallway, he digs that hole, hides the blanket to cover the hole. He took the grate off the window and put that in the bottom of the hole. So when Ethan Hawke falls through it, he actually breaks his leg on the grate. Mm -hmm. It's like an impact break. Mm And now he can't move. And his upper half of the body is sticking out of the hole. So now he can't go anywhere. He tries to lunge forward and hit, like, grab Finney to attack him. And Finney does that back step, forward step, swing motion that Robin told him, taught him how to do over the phone. Mm-hmm. With the phone packed with dirt. And then he took the rope from the other kid, one of the other kids who was there. He had hidden some rope in the basement and he used that along with the foam cord to strangle the the grabber which is what finally kills the grabber yeah and like i said he uses the meat from the meat locker that he dug through to try to get out to to distract the dog so he can leave the basement because the grabber does this thing after he kills his brother he calls his dog Samson down, and Samson to me looks like a cane corso, which is what my mom has, only it's a different color. And he ties Samson's leash up to the door of the basement, pretty much guarding the dog to keep Finney in so he won't escape. But Finney takes, you know, a piece of meat from the freezer, throws it for the dog, the dog gets distracted, and Finney's able to walk out of the house. He remembers the combination from the padlock is able to walk right out into the yard where he sees across the street a team of cops, ambulance, coroners, fire trucks. His sister is even across the street. Mm-hmm. And she sees Finney and they embrace and he's able to walk away from this whole ordeal. And like I said, they never mention the identity or the name of the grabber. He's just been known as a grabber throughout the media, throughout the locals. And yeah. It's all. That's all we know. We don't know anything more about him or why he was doing these things. We just know how he was abducting them, where he was keeping them, and where he was disposing of their bodies after their death. Yeah. What did you think about the ending? 
I love the ending. I thought the ending was definitely justice. And yes. I forgot in the end that there was two different houses. Yes. And so when he came out of the other house and everyone was just running to the other way, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yes. So and everyone's that like, was no, an interesting. Wrong house. That was an interesting <clears throat> thing overall, just to, just to realize at the ending. Yeah. But that was, an, again, it was a good movie, a great way to wrap it up, a happy ending for everybody. I think I'll like it better than we than the movie that we're going to see pretty soon, no? Yes. So we might do we might cover this next weekend, but next weekend we are going to see Nope with my sister Emily and my brother-in-law Brian. And I hope that it's good. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about it. Heard a lot of bad, but you don't know unless you watch it. To each their own. And yes. like I said, everybody has an opinion. There's no right or wrong opinion about art and media it's all about how you perceive it and how your reception of it is what that's why i like to watch something first before i judge it right uh, you know i hear everyone's judgments about everything all my life but for me i like to learn to watch it yourself first before you say anything right so and yeah. speaking of perceptions and judgments as i mentioned earlier we did watch the trailers for the new movies that are coming out what did you want to say did you, was there any that stood out to you that you thought was interesting? Not really. I will say, if I can remember correctly, the the trailers that we saw were for Barbarian, mm-hmm. which stars Bill, which Scars- be great. Bill Skarsgård, mm-hmm. uh, Bodies, 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 which stars Pete Davidson, which I was not a fan of. I seeing, don't like. By that. the way, I'm not, I'm not looking. No. Um. Don't Worry Darling, which stars Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. Which that one, I, I want to see that. I want to see that one. It looks good. I like the psychologicalness of it. I like, yeah. And Emily and I did touch upon that, too, when we talked about psychological thrillers. It does seem like that. Mm-hmm. And I like the premise, is that it's this almost 1950s community where the men go and work on this government-based project that the women don't know about. And Florence Pugh is curious about this project and she wants to know what's going on with this project but the men seem to think that she's not entitled to know the rights of that project yeah because she's a girl because she's a woman yeah so she's being you know suppressed to not want to know about it and she's being told by her husband and people around her to you know don't fight it don't question it just be happy be content with your life here you know like if you're not happy then make yourself happy with booze or pills or whatever and it's just it's a very interesting movie that i would like to see when it comes out in theaters it almost feels like that's how it's society is now or has always been too People it just seems like that's the that's the direction that some things are going in society today is that People don't want to know what's going on behind the curtain you know what i mean they they don't want to know because they don't want to it's like they it's like that saying, ignorance is bliss, right? If, yeah. you, if you don't know, then you don't worry about it. If you're not worrying about it, then you're happy, you're content. If you know too much, then you're afraid of everything. And if you're afraid of everything, then you're anxious and depressed and upset. You know, it's like that's, 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 the, that's the concept I feel like that's behind this movie, which I'm very interested to see. And then there's another movie too. I think it was called Beast, mm-hmm. with Idris Elba. Which I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. That one looks really good. You know what it kind of reminds me of though? 
It reminds me of Crawl in a way. I hope it reminds me of Cujo, but with a lion. Yeah, it like for me it reminds me of Crawl, but in the Sahara Desert with a lion. Yeah. So uh, that's just what I kind of picture when I think of that movie. But it looked really good. And then were there any other trailers that we saw that I'm trying to think of? Uh, I might really. be missing. No. Yeah, because I think Barbarian, Beast, and Don't Worry Darling were well, the top three that I liked. As long as we're on the subject of new trailers, especially yes. for like going into October or whatever, um, I saw the trailer for the new Spirit Halloween movie that's based on the store or whatever and that had Christopher, Christopher Lloyd in it. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny. I showed you that and you were like not happy. It's it. not that I wasn't happy. Here's you're, the thing. You're like, why did you send me this? You know how there's certain like movies and clips of things that don't look real? They look mm. either too stupid or too... What's the word I'm thinking of? They almost look fake in a sense. Because yeah. how would Spirit Halloween like authorize that kind of thing to be made? I don't know. They must have talked to them somehow. I don't understand. They must have made a deal with it. I don't understand. I mean, I figured if you were going to do any movie based off of a haunted Halloween story, you can pick the one from fucking Goosebumps from the Haunted Mask episode. Yeah. That's a good one to fucking focus on. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to judge it until I see it. I know. But yeah. I just um, think it looks so, like... It looks almost campy or but cheesy in a way. But that's the whole point, especially with horror movies, that some of the best ones are the campy ones. Yes. You know? I mean, there was tons of them back in the day. And it's kind of mm-hmm. nice that you have something like that. You know, it's a breath of fresh air from all, like, the um, movies that we've been having for the last decade and a half. Right. You know, which they're all paranormal, CGI, all type of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And just you get something nice and campy for once. Yeah. Which is, again, there's nothing wrong with it. But just when I see this trailer for the Spirit Halloween movie, again, it almost didn't seem real to me. It almost seems like it was almost a marketing tactic for Spirit Halloween this I year. Know. But it's just like which, when I thought of that, I just thought of, like, Monster Squad almost. Which, if you are an avid shopper during the fall season, you'll probably know by now that most TJ Maxx, Marshalls, or Home Goods stores already have their Halloween decorations up. Kyle and I just spent almost $100 in the past three weeks mm-hmm. on Halloween decorations. But they're good Halloween decorations, I should say. Yeah. I got a skull-shaped pillow that feels so fucking plushy and soft. I love that And I got pillow. some stuff for my office now. You yeah, know, you like got decorations for your office at work. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, where, that's where... If you don't follow me on TikTok, I posted a video a while back of things in my cubicle office that just makes sense to me and 95% of those are Halloween decorations I got from Marshalls. It just makes sense, you know? Yeah. I should probably grab another pillow from Marshalls and just keep it at my desk. Yeah. Kind of like put it as like a little seat pillow for my computer chair. You never know. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. What do you think? I. This sounds fun. Yeah. Because I already have a throw blanket there. Yeah. Yeah. I got a witch hanging up in my office. I mm-hmm. think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I name her Ethel. So she always watches me as I work, and I, I'm blessed for that. So praise Ethel. Right. So <laughs> going back to Black Phone, though, if you had to give it 
a five star rating, how many star would you give it? I give it four and a half. Really? Four and a half? Why why the half? Actually, I really don't see a flaw to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, I don't really see it. Okay, I'll give it five out of five. I I am gonna I am gonna give this to you though. I will I will give you an excuse on why I think the half like the half and as I mentioned before it's like four and a half, five, I give it that. Yeah, there's there's a theme in it though that is like I mentioned earlier, child abuse. Now, Finn and Gwen, when you look at their family dynamic, all you have is a single dad. That's, you know that's why I give it the four and a half. Okay. Because the definitely the father and how he treats his children. Yes, so I don't like that. So I believe I said his name was the, de- the father's name is Terrence, but he's played by Jeremy Davies, and he's a single father, he's an alcoholic, he clearly is still reeling from either the loss or separation of his wife. We don't really know the whole story until Gwen decides to confront her father and ask, I want to talk about mom. Because it seems to me like... There's a, there's a specific scene. It's after the scene where the cops visit Gwen at school. Apparently, they had also visit her father at work, although they don't show it in the movie. The next morning, because she, she decides after school, I'm going to go to so-and-so's house, spend the night, and I'll be back in the morning. Finn wakes up in his living room to hear his father yelling at his sister, and he walks into the kitchen and sees her, sees his father whipping Gwen with a belt on her butt. Because of what happened with the cops at school. He knows that Gwen has these gifts about her dreams. And I get that the anger that comes from this scene is one of fear. Because he knows that his wife, who also believes she had a gift, had apparently committed suicide as a result of these gifts trying to tell her to do bad things. That were probably not only harmful to herself, but harmful to other people around her. And so she died as a result of it. And I'm sure that her father, you know, is worried for Gwen about, you know, heading towards that same fate as her mother. Yeah, he doesn't want her to go down that same path. I understand that that's from fear. I don't understand why he feels the need to beat her with a belt as a result of all this. Like, again, it's not something that she can control people have dreams whether they mean anything or not you can you can chalk it up and say well these are just dreams they're not real but i watched haunting of hill house and they said the exact same thing about half the characters in that movie in that show a lot of things of what they were seeing they were chalking up to be because of dreams or mental illnesses and it's like you know what in a horror movie when shit like that happens it's not just a dream it's not just mental illness it is something a lot bigger than you can fucking comprehend but there is no reason why a parent should be beating their kid out of fear for them in that way that's that's the only reason why i take the half star out of the five and give it a 4.5 Yep, and actually Terrence, or what's his name? Terrence. Jeremy, D- Jeremy Davies. Yes. Is actually going to be starring in a new movie that's going to be coming out next month called Dark Harvest. Okay. Which is based off a uh, book that's about uh, Halloween in 1963. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and he's been in tons of other movies, including 
uh, Rescue Dawn, um, when we were soldiers, and, uh, oh no, not when we were soldiers, Saving Private Ryan, and he was in Helter Skelter, mm -hmm. the, uh, the story about Charlie Manson. Yes. But, um, I digress from all that, yeah. so, and I think we've covered mostly what we've been talking about today. Yeah, I think we've covered everything we've, you know everything we could possibly say about this movie like i said mm -hmm. it's a it's a really good movie i really enjoyed it there was a lot of jump scares in it that i know a lot of people have mixed opinions about jump scares to me i felt like these were jump scares that happened at the right place at the right time during the movies because there, there were moments where you were expecting a jump scare to happen but it didn't happen and then in the next second boom it happens and it's like oh my god it's so sudden and unexpected, I love those moments. Mm -hmm. The moments where you're not expecting it is when the jump scare happens and it's like the perfect moment. Don't you think? Yeah. I think it's good. I thought it was a really good movie. It had a lot of horror elements that may not have been horrific in, in visuals, but they were horrific in suspense and emotions and just the mood itself. I think it was a really good movie. But I do give it a four and a half stars. I will say that. Out of five, mm -hmm. that's pretty high in my book. Okay. But it's a good movie overall. I highly recommend it. And like I said, I'm going to read the short story collection by Joe Hill. But I think that the movie did a pretty good job of writing. Like, in terms of written plots and s screenplays, I thought this was a good, good, well-written movie. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add before we sign off? Um, not exactly. I mean, we got everything covered, so... So, this has been today's episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm glad you all enjoyed us, and tune in for next week or so, or the week and a half, or next week, week after. I don't know. Well, I feel like next week we'll definitely cover the movie Nope, mm -hmm. and I'm very excited about that one, so yeah, tune in next week. Alright. This has been an episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Aaliyah. And I am Colin, signing off saying, What the fuck, God? What the fuck, Jesus? What the fuck? <laughs>